0: I knew, I knew that I wanted to do something creative, but I didn't, I wouldn't acknowledge it because I remember writing down on my questionnaire when I was doing the career coaching, they said, okay, in your wildest dreams, like what would be the thing that you would do, you'd want to do? And I wrote down, I wanted to be a pop star in Japan. I was like, I would be like a Japanese pop star and that would be so fun and exciting. And then I dismissed it and I like filled out the questionnaire and did the personality test and then went, made a list of things that I felt like I should be doing. I'm Danielle Carter and I live in Los Angeles, California. I am an indie singer, songwriter and entrepreneur. I have my own fashion line for women's accessories. I was born in Hollywood, California and grew up in Pasadena, which is nearby. And I went to a school in Los Angeles that was actually a Japanese temple for elementary. And so I experienced a lot of Japanese culture, a lot of Asian culture. I myself am Chinese and black. So I've always had a very multicultural perspective growing up. And we've always, uh, my family has always, uh, my mom in particular, has always encouraged the arts. So just doing crafts and uh, learning obon dances, which are Japanese dances that we did at these festivals. And my dad has always encouraged uh, structure and logic and The intellectual development side so i've kind of had an integrative experience in that way my kindergarten schooling went all the way through high school it was a very small school so we actually i pretty much knew everybody that was (laughs) that was um that stayed and so by the end of high school we had about 15 students in our graduating class and five of them were girls so it was very small i remember everyone's first and last name (laughs) <laughs> in college, I particularly loved studying entrepreneurship. Uh, I did a double major in marketing and management. Um, I socially was in, involved in a dance group, a hip-hop dance group, which was a lot of fun. And we ended up going to compete in different um, different contests around the world. And then I also did a singing group, which is an acapella singing group. And... Um, I found ways to be creative, you know, even in that setting, too, when there wasn't really a lot at that time. I don't think I noticed that there was a creative gap at that time because there was so much to do, so many new people to meet. And I certainly was spending a lot of time in the library learning all the subjects. So I didn't particularly notice That I was missing anything but I knew that I was still developing my interest and I knew that there was still more exploring to do. So after I finished college I submitted for a program which places students at different advertising firms and it's a multicultural placement program you can say. So I got placed at BBDO New York which at the time they were winning some nice awards in the industry. I found the world of advertising to be a lot of hurry up and wait. (laughs) So there were a lot of long days. You know, I love, I love working. I don't mind long hours, but I really considered the role and was able to assess whether or not I wanted to do what my boss's boss was doing and be positioned that way in the next 7 to 10 years and I couldn't see myself in that role I really I I couldn't at that time so I decided that I wanted to do more do something that was helping people in a more direct way so from there I decided that I was going to become a financial planner I moved closer to my family so I moved back to California and I started working at my family's Boutique, um, they have a financial planner that they call them a boutique firm because it's a smaller firm, but it's a one-stop shop where they have uh, anything from insurance to real estate to investment uh, services, so comprehensive financial planning. And I studied under that firm and really started to learn the business. Learning the technical skills of it was only interesting for so long, because I found that I really needed to be around more people. So I decided that I wanted to explore what it what it was that I was looking for that would be satisfying. And so I gave myself permission through I, I found a coach who could guide me through that process of um, discovering what career I actually wanted. And that's when I went into the discovery. I shadowed one of my friends in the in the ER, who's a doctor, because I thought maybe I wanted to go into healthcare and I can help people in that respect, or maybe positive psychology. Um, so I ended up shadowing him in the ER and we were in one of the rooms and he's with a baby who is, who's sick and crying and screaming at this extreme decibel that I'm sure only, um, you know, some animals could <laughs> could comprehend the translation but i just remember it being so piercing and he was getting giving a spinal tap to the baby which is a huge needle that is going into the back of this tender small you know very sensitive human being and i could not i had so much empathy for the baby that i had to sit down because i I could feel that I was getting hot and I was going to faint so I literally had to sit on the floor the parents were out of the room because I think it would have been too much for them but it was at that point that I realized okay I think I better consider a different field because if I'm going to have to look at blood and hear babies cry and and that's the way that you're you know in traditional medicine we're going to help people in this field I think that I'm definitely not the one to be facilitating those procedures. <laughs> Healthcare, once I knew that was not the route that I wanted to take, I decided I wanted to do something more fun. And I had never thought, especially because my, in my upbringing, it just wasn't a consideration that you would have a creative career. It was not even in the realm of possibilities. So once I opened my understanding up of that that is an option, that people do write songs and they do earn a living from, from writing songs and making music and playing out, then I started to explore that. I started um, very rationally, which is going to school and, and taking songwriting classes and vocal classes. At the time, I thought that creativity was not an option for a career. One, because that's not the way that my family thought about the arts. They were always hobbies. And so, like, I would always see my dad singing in the car, and but he was always very serious about work and very even upset about work. And so I kind of adopted this blueprint that work had to be hard and it had to be serious and it couldn't be fun and enjoyable and actually play to those creative strengths that I had. I needed a new blueprint essentially. And so I think there's a knowing. Internally, I knew, I knew that I wanted to do something creative, but I didn't, I wouldn't acknowledge it. Because I remember writing down on my questionnaire when I was doing the career coaching, they said, okay, in your wildest dreams, like what would be the thing that you would do, you'd want to do? And I wrote down, I wanted to be a a pop star in Japan. I was like, I would be like a Japanese pop star and that would be so fun and exciting. And then I dismissed it and I like filled out the questionnaire and did the personality test and then went, made a list of things that I felt like I should be doing. So it's really funny because I think I knew all along that I wanted this thing, but it was so far fetched because one, um, I didn't know any pop stars from Japan. So it's like, yeah, I would only, you know, just watch them on TV. So it was, it was a very far away type, um, dream, essentially. And I didn't know how to go about that process. So in that way, it wasn't real to me. It just wasn't real. I was glued to the TV when I was little, and I would watch all the music channels all, all day long. I would always be watching music videos and recording songs off of the radio and in my room singing and I loved albums. CDs were actually a thing back then, <laughs> people purchased. And I would always be down at the um, the warehouse, which is um, a place where you can buy music. So it was very um, exciting for me. Like, it was my escape. It was something that I just naturally was always doing, was listening to music and singing, along with Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston's tapes and all of that. I felt relieved when I understood I wanted to be in the music industry because it was the beginning. It was the beginning of my journey, my creative journey, the journey of understanding myself better and of really it being okay to be different and to really like something that was fulfilling. And so I I absolutely had an awakening also in a very practical way, because I think because of the way that I was raised and my natural inclination to understand processes and themes and how I was going to go about this, I was still very, um, there was an aha, but there was also very like, okay, now how are we going to do this? You know, how is this going to make sense? And I had very much drawn out, like, day-to-day schedules like you should see these schedules I still have them they're very very detailed and I would go from like one writing session to the next and then I'd have this vocal class and I put myself through a an artist development you know a self-made artist development program to give myself all of the skills that I really needed to succeed I did start with the songwriting school which is in Burbank so it's a school which where you can take classes at your own pace. I started with taking a basic songwriting class and understanding all the fundamentals of that and used uh, a lot of the, the leadership there as my mentors and asking them questions and finding out, okay, well, what does it mean to write in the style of Motown? What does it mean to, um, to sing and connect with an audience? Uh, I joined a, a band which uh, was is a 70s funk band because I wanted to get live performance, uh, get really comfortable on stage and find out who I was as a singer and performer, and do I like performing? even you know that's another thing is just because I like singing and I like music doesn't mean that I would necessarily be the face of it, even though I had that idea. So I wanted to understand, okay, am I just a songwriter? Um, am I? a singer, songwriter, performer. And what I found is I loved songwriting. It gave me that, that outlet to have my own voice and to write. And so once I understood that, I, and that I had my own style, then as a singer and songwriter, I decided that I was going to start um, my own album, my own project, and be the voice and the face of this message. And then it was the process of, OK, what am I saying as an artist? what is my fir- what are my first um, two words you know as a child of this industry um, so it was it was a process in terms of going through the formal education that's already available and laid out at the songwriting school and also in the industry, I was going to a lot of networking mixers and meeting all kinds of people and really expanding as much as I could and then I got to a point where I realized. I needed to go inside. I had spent a lot of time with external resources. And then you realize you build this network. And what is it that you are offering as your service? Like, what is it that I have to have music to give them if I'm going to be a part of the the industry as a performer and a songwriter? When I started taking songwriting classes, I still worked at an investment firm. So I was doing that during the day, and then at night I was going to uh, sessions and recording and writing, and I was also taking classes at the school. So I had a good, um, let's see, six months to a year of overlap. And at that point I set a date of, okay, and at, on June 1st, that this is when I'm going to, you know, quit my job and so I had a good month um, I notified my company a month in advance so that I could get en- have enough time for the team to transition and I was very um, you know it was very planned and and I wanted to be a very graceful exit I wasn't saying forget you and I'm out of here <laughs> I was very much grateful for that opportunity to learn so much because I really had learned so much about project management and all of those skills have been so helpful, especially going out on my own in this unknown industry. When I decided I was going to be a singer and a songwriter, I was very, very excited. and also, I felt supported by the connections and the environment. So going in, I did feel supported, but it's also very scary because I was pretty much just stepping in and trusting that the stairwell would be there. My family was not particularly excited about this journey that I was about to take. I think because you know, they're just naturally, they want to know that I'm going to be okay and they want to make sure that I'm making smart decisions. And to them, because it was very unknown, like my mom has always been um, very behind whatever I want to do, so it's, it's great. And my dad, he's also very supportive. However, he had had this experience in the music industry that wasn't necessarily favorable, so he wasn't really, super on board with this plan that I had but at the same time I knew I knew that there's I I, I still knew that I needed to take this journey I still knew that this is what I wanted to do so I pretty much the way I approached it was all right, this is happening and I moved forward with all fierceness and then people kind of came on board as I was taking the steps and as they were seeing me grow and progress and becoming more of who I am. My journey has been very much relying on my gut and my intuition of what I needed next to kind of water this journey that I'm on. And so it's it's been an interesting process, though, of really learning how to trust myself, because I think that was the disconnect that was happening before when I was just kind of, oh, okay, I should do this. I'm supposed to do this. But I wasn't really tapped into How do I feel? What do I want? Where am I going? Um, I decided that I was going to understand what my purpose is in the industry. And for me, that was discovering um, how I was going to create my legacy. At the end of the day, if I asked myself that question, if I had six months to live, what would I want to leave behind? And so that's when I arrived at, um, a song in it. So I was able to express it in, in a song, it's called legacy and it is about my personal journey and feeling called to, to voice this, um, pursuit of growth and this pursuit of becoming more of myself and expressing my, my art through song. And so finding, um, my purpose and my voice as a writer has really been the beginning of my journey. I started with the the funk band, the seventies cover band, so we would perform out locally at different music venues um, and then I also was doing my solo project, so the songs I had written original songs, and I would go to different venues, book you know nights, and then invite my friends um, to come see and hopefully you know, they invite their friends and it, it just kind of naturally grows. So there's a lot of fundamentals that you just can't get away from because as you're trying to grow any business, you're wanting to reach people who enjoy the value that you're offering. Um, and so, you know, just like, you know, any, any startup, I, it was out there performing and connecting and getting email lists um, together. And then, communicating via email to get people to shows and then let them know what I'm doing. So you're just building this conversation that is ongoing. And that's, you know, how I built a fan base, essentially. Um, And then once I was connecting with these people, I decided that I was going to launch a fundraising campaign, which would help fund and promote the first project. So the first album. I used Indiegogo, um, and I was able to. I think the the purpose, more so, of the campaign was one because I remember at the time a, a friend encouraged me to actually do the campaign because I was I was like, oh no, like I can't I can't ask other people to invest in in my vision in my dream like that that would just be like so forward you know I was really not comfortable with asking um, so that's something that through through the campaign um, I was pushing myself I was pushing myself to really share this new passion and this vision and really it was <laughs> it was uncomfortable but it was it was such a good growth process because I was then making myself accountable to all these people to say hey if you if you invest in in this Vision that I have to create this project, then um, I will carry it out and I will finish it, and you will be a part of this process. So, I did that, and I did. I had a lot of success, and we raised over um, over nine thousand dollars for the first album. And from there, I have been, um, you know, in the studio recording and and producing and getting the team together, getting the right people on the team. Um, and then, you know, we've just we've finished recording all the vocals and we're just getting into the final stages of having it be printed and available to the public. I'm set up as a solo artist, which means that I can interchange um, my musicians as needed as the project develops. I love working with good people. So if, you know, if it's if something is working, then I'm going to continue Um, with those people and I like the idea of being able to to grow the brand um, you know as the voice and the 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 front person for my music so that I haven't named the band in particular but there but I do have musicians that are going to be performing with me regularly. When the album is finished, I will be touring, and I am planning to do um, some fun events. I would love to do a series of indoor camping events, so I'm going to actually have glamping parties, (laughs) which uh, will set up a tent indoors and, you know, a fake fire, so it's, you know, safe. The fire department does not have to come hunt us down. (laughs) The jewelry line, so my jewelry line is called Onyx XOXO. That jewelry line has helped me so much in understanding how to not take things personally, (laughs) to be quite frank, because it's a tangible, they're tangible objects and people either buy them or they don't, they like it or they don't. And I think with music, especially being an artist, I didn't want to acknowledge that I'm sensitive, that I am, being vulnerable and really sharing this, uh, you know, voice is connected to the body. So I, even though I didn't want to acknowledge, you know, when somebody doesn't particularly like something or if they're not super excited about one of my songs, as I was developing my songwriting, I think I did take it personally. And I think it was hard for me to then feel like, okay, that's fine. Let me just share this with someone else and see what they think. You know, you have to really thick skin but then when I started doing the jewelry line, I realized that it is a, it's a numbers game and people are in different markets for different things. So visually, not everybody is going to want to wear you know, an ear cuff. I make these ear cuffs and they stand for empowering women. But not everybody is going to have the same style that they want to put on their body. And so same way with taste in music, not every song is for every person, even if they appreciate it. So I think that um, physically standing out and vending at different markets and, um, you know, be it Coachella, be it some local market with like a lot of cool vendors, it helped me to not take things so personally, one, and to understand that it is a numbers game because the more people you can reach, the more you interact with and the more you understand what people are looking for, the more you can find where you fit in the marketplace and what is it and who is it that you're going to offer value to? The music is definitely primary for me, and the jewelry is a beautiful addition that supports the music. And it really has supported the music because there it it, it has generated income at a time when you know I'm still in the studio, and so there's nothing. There was nothing to release, but and I thought, oh, I don't have time to. To start another business, essentially, I don't have time to do this jewelry thing. Um, but I was encouraged by by a couple people who who would ask where I where I'm getting this these things that I wear on stage, and so it turned out to be something that I could offer um, and still keep my hands busy and create and offer some value to you know other songwriters and other women. And really, I I found myself connecting with my audience and understanding if there was a, a physical manifestation of what my music looked like, what would it be? So with my hands, I was creating what my sound would look like. Financially, I have had a huge shift because going from a nine to five mindset to then an entrepreneurial mindset has been probably one of the biggest challenges that I've had to to deal with on all respects, you know, emotionally too, I just, I feel like I just really learned that no matter what the circumstances are and no matter how much money is in my account, that that does not have to affect my emotional and mental state. That's actually a choice. And so before, I think, um, if if I have less income one month, then I'm like freaking out, and I'm really like, oh no, how's this gonna work? Like, you, I, I could not conceive of where the money would flow in. And now my understanding is, okay, this is it is a um, a global marketplace. So if I would like to receive some income, then that means I need to be offering some value and what are the ways in which I can do that? So I literally will, I'll write a list if I'm having a moment where I need more clarity, I'll write a list of all of the ways that I can offer value, offer my skill sets to the marketplace. And then I go down and I say, do I wanna offer it through financial planning? Would I like to offer it through jewelry? Would I like to? And so then it gets me thinking about, okay, what are the ways and steps that I can take as opposed to a lack of money? So I've really had a big switch in terms of that financial mentality, which affects me mo- emotionally and spiritually. In this moment, I feel good. In this moment, I feel good about finances. I feel good about um, the direction that um, that is going. And I actually have done a lot of visualizing to, to stay in a good emotional place about money. Um, and understand prosperity, I will look at, um, you know, I'll look at my highest selling points. I, I look in, um, because I use Square, for example, for the, for the jewelry, I'll use different services and I'll go in and look at the sales for some of my highest grossing months or music income. I'll look at those, that income and it, it kind of triggers and reprograms my mind to um, to manifest more. I mean, I, that's a, a trick that I use because if I can visualize the incoming and feel what it felt like to receive that money, then usually that's me positioning myself to receive more. And I do find that my, more money does come in when I when I'm focused on more money. <laughs> I'm so happy. Yeah. I am, I am really happy and grateful, and sometimes I, I have to just take a moment um, to receive my emotions even, because I'm very in my head all the time, thinking, planning, strategizing, wanting to push myself to be better, you know, achieve these, these standards that I set for myself, and sometimes I have to just stop and receive my emotions, which are like I can get overwhelmed with tears of joy of just how grateful I am to to understand more of myself, to be closer to my family, to get to take this journey with other fellow entrepreneurs and my best friend who I live with who's an actress and I know that certainty is a decision that I've made and I decided that I'm going to take the steps to to do what successful people do. So just like I said I was going to be in advertising, just like I said I was going to be a financial planner, those things happened. So that means that it's very likely that the result that I want now that I've set and decided on, that will happen too. So I just have to be patient. The future looks bright. The future looks bright. I see it as when the audience is clapping after a show i noticed that i was doing this thing where i would smile but then i like i turn away on stage and i noticed that because that meant that i wasn't i wasn't practicing receiving completely and so i'm making these little shifts of really receiving everything that i'm asking for so now when i'm on stage and after a song and i know i've given everything that i can and the audience is very excited and they're you know, cheering and they're clapping and they're giving, I make it a point to really look at them and receive all that they're giving because if we can create this channel of being congruent, of asking for more, receiving more, and not putting a cap on it, then that means that I am at my highest potential and the flow is prosperous. My advice to people who are making the switch is to, yes, understand the tools and the practical classes and the lessons and all that is offered in your local environment and online. And definitely, you know, collect those resources and that information and then I would you know, challenge each person to take the, take the internal study, take the internal journey and really dive in and face all of your fears one by one because they, they have an order to them and everybody has their own process and give yourself a safe place to resolve any of that past blockage, pain, or, you know, experiences that might come up so that you can really just be a channel and just be like an open... Um, open to receive and open to give at your fullest capacity.